And welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke. We're looking at episode 120, 120 of the Between Two Wheels podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today, we're going to go over a few things. Uh, the Giro. I, the Giro is finally starting, getting out in full swing. And so we're going to talk about what's kind of happened up till this point. We're going to talk about what's going to happen and what did happen today. Uh, maybe we'll do a little breakdown of the Modesto Road Race and Crit. I don't know if I have any info on that. And um, basically, then Masters District Championships coming up. And maybe we'll do an extra little... We're going to do a bunch more episodes back to back to back with the Giro and some of these things coming up. So stay tuned and we'll get right to it. Gerald d'Italia, we finally are getting the mountains and it's, it's finally excitement coming to the Giro. So we've got... Stage 12 just happened, and up until this point, there's been basically two little blips that have seen anybody do anything, and it's been the two time trials. We had the, the stage one time trial, it's called stage one instead of the actual uh, prelude, uh, prelude? Pre- uh, anyway, the, the, the first stage, and uh, Primus Roglic destroyed everybody in that one and I say destroyed because it was fairly short but it was um, long enough to for him to get about a 30 second advantage on everyone so with that you had him taking a bunch of time on uh, Dumoulin Dumoulin since then had a knee injury and out of the race Uh, took a bunch of time on Yates who said everyone was going to shit themselves for how good of fitness he's got Uh, beat up on Nibali uh, who's always come strong on the last week of the race which we'll be getting to here then we had another time trial and that time trial was what stage nine, I believe. And with that, we had um, Primus Rodlich once again taking a dominant role. Uh, stage nine, that was last Sunday. And with that, he pretty much put a minute on basically most of his rivals, uh, all but uh, Camp Campernut. Um, let's get to that results real quick. So uh, Campernut, who's the world hour record holder, and we got a little tiff between him and Bradley Wiggins kind of because of that but uh, he put 11 seconds on him but then a minute to Balka Molimer, uh Vicenzo Nimbley in minute five Tano Kanger Chad Haga the United States for Sunweb he's not much for the overall but he does well in the time trials Bob Jungles Hugh Carthy kind of a surprise there coming in at 130 back and then you drop way down Simon Yates 31st place 311 so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit right now. So there's been a, a look, the first week, uh, week plus, almost two weeks of the, the this year's Giro has been full of bad weather, flat roads. Uh, they've done a few little kickers here and there. But the matter of fact, just the other day, Larry Warbass, American uh, former national champion who rides for FDJ, no, um, AG2R, he indicated his average power for the day was 149 watts. It's pretty, pretty low considering the fact that um, it's a full-on zero stage and it was, you know, 100-plus miles. So uh, there, there's a – Simon Yates has come out and he said, look, there's the, the, the first week-plus of the zero. I came in. I was ready for this. Uh, then I took tapered a week off, so you're kind of coming into the zero just a little bit rested. And then you have all this time where we're doing riding but not much effort. And is there actually a potential for fitness loss? What he's kind of intimating that that's possibly happening to him at this point. So it was interesting to see that second time trial where they had to lay it out a little bit more, him losing three minutes to Roglic. Uh, however, today they finally did hit a little mountain stage. And with that, you saw a pairing down of a lot of the front group. 
but you saw most of those guys hanging tough and there was a little bit of shaking out. There were some issues they had with some tactics and kind of what was, um, who's supposed to be in charge, what's going on. So let's go over today's stage. And well, up until that point, you've seen some of the good battles. Let's talk about that with the sprinters. Uh, Caleb Ewing has finally got, he got two wins for this one. Uh, you've had, um, who else? Damar has had a win. Ackerman, I believe, has had two wins. All of them, uh, Gaviria ended up getting a win when uh, Viviani was DQ'd. D- Viviani had, you know, crossed the line first. However, Viviani has not actually got a first place win, first place in, in this tour. And it's probably not going to happen because now they're hitting the mountains. Most of the sprinters are jettisoning their way home. Caleb Ewing's already out. Pretty good job by Ewing. You know, the last one he got uh, yesterday, a good win, a little headwind, and he was surfing his team. You know, the day before that, he had surfed off of his team. He had a teammate right there, and he kept kind of punching off of him, going to Ackerman back and forth, and I don't think it helped him. He's got to make that decision whether he's going to follow someone else, whether he's going to follow his teammates. And then in the end, he jumps out a little too soon and ends up dying in the wind as um, one of the other, I think, uh, Damar had come through and passed him. However, yesterday, um, he did time it perfectly right. He didn't start his kick until about 200, and he had been surfing off of other teams. His teammates got him up there in the right spot. He was on Ackerman or Viviani. And when he punched it, there was a distinct separation between he and the other riders. And then he was just able to hold it off to the line. He got at least a bike uh, length or so more on DeMar and Ackerman and Viviani all coming up there. So that was pretty impressive for him. I'm glad to see Caleb Ewing uh, getting the win. He's pretty jubilant about it. And um, I'm looking forward to the tour for all these sprinters coming to the four and, uh, you know, having a chance. I think there was a rumor out there that Sam Bennett of Bora Hansburg was actually going to get signed by possibly Quickstep. That may have happened, may not have, uh, but maybe getting him in for the tour. Because as right now, he's not going to be in there, which is kind of odd because he's actually had one of the better early seasons from the sprinters point of view. So. We'll get Gaviria in there. We'll get Sagan in there. Uh, whoever else, DQ, uh, you know, Decoin and Quickstep, whoever they have going into the right. So that will be an interesting development to see all the sprinters come into the tour. Okay, so the sprinters have had their time. Now they can go home. And now we're up to the climbers and their chance on stage 12 today. Stage 12 today, it was, we're starting now. We've gone down the boot. All the way down in the southern part of Italy, they they took a left-hand turn, started coming up the other side, and then they did a big rest day, a transfer. Now they're all the way on the top left-hand corner of Italy, and they're going to be working their way through the mountains. So today, stage 12, 158 kilometers, not a big stage, but it was from Cuneo to Pinerolo. And with that, the weather actually did not appear to be all that horrendous either because it has been, it's been pretty nasty. Uh, a lot of rain. A lot of rain, just rain and bad weather. So they basically had one giant cat one climb that they went over today at 125.9 kilometers. Uh, just another you know, roughly 30K to the finish from there. Good descent downhill and a little kicker right before the finish. Uh, the, the, the pass that they did was uh, the Montoso. So they had a few little sprints beforehand. They ended up getting a big size breakaway up the road, about eight plus minutes or so, 11, 12 at one point. Uh, they hit the climb, different riders. Uh, Lawrence Tendam, I believe, is in there. He or Thomas DeGant, sorry. He's hitting the front, and it separates this thing out. Next thing you know, you've got a group of um, 
uh, Eddie Dunbar, uh, Gianluca Brambilla of the Trek uh, Sigafredo team, Eros Capacci of Dequana Quickstep, and Jan Polank is in there, and his teammate Ventoso is the one that has been, uh, sorry, <laughs> Villaro Conti has been the one that's in the pink jersey. And so Jan Pollock is now up the road with a chance to get that. Uh, spoiler alert, the, they stay away for about two, three, four minutes or so over the, the, the four minutes or out. So over the, uh, the main field and um, Jan Pollock ends up in UAE Emirates with the yellow jer- or the pink jersey. So it just transferred teammates. But in the end, you had uh, Damiano Caruso and Cesar Benedetti uh, of Bora Hansgrohe and Bahrain catching the, the three other guys, Dunbar, Brambilla, and Capecci right at the finish and then hitting out in the sprint. And uh, so then you get the Italian one, Italian two, and Eddie Dunbar of Ineos for Ireland in third place. There on back, you've got a group pretty whittled down of the main contenders. You've got Roglic, uh, Nibali, Baka Molimar, Baka, he had a teammate in there, Rafa Maika. Carpaz, yeah, Mikel Landa, you had Superman Lopez, uh, Simon Yates, Inlor Zacharin, um, Hugh Carthy for um, EF Education First. They all had whittled uh, Chavez. Uh, I think um, I want to say Mitchell and Scott with Yates had Chavez and maybe maybe in one other rider in there along with Yates. So he had some good protection. Uh, someone that did not have any protection was Primoz Roglic. Roglic has Lorenz de Plus, a rider for his team, was was going to be quite the, the the support for him. He got sick, had to go out. Uh, Robert Hessink was going to be the other rider for him for the Giro. He got hurt before they subbed in Sepp Kuss. I think Sepp Kuss is going to be a good help for him. But today, first of all, that team has been whittled down enough where you're going to see if you get Roglic winning this race, it will be on Roglic. His time trialing and his ability to be defensive and be offensive when he has to. You know, last year we saw Simon Yates take the four, he and Chavez in the first week, just really hitting out, getting a big advantage. Uh, but did that wear them down? You know, it gave them this advantage over Dumoulin that he really needed for the time trial. But then you come into stage 19, Yates gets blown out the back. Dumoulin's trying to catch up with Froome. Froome does his Hail Mary. He connects. Then you've got all kinds of riders that are just uh, dishing out the, the Aru, uh, the, another French guy that just basically blowing up all of these guys out of the top 10 uh, eventually, and you had obviously Froome and Dumoulin coming to the four. So, Carapaz, I think, was the other rider. Carapaz is up there as well this year. So, Roglic, um, they take that climb. Roglic is just sitting in. He's looking very fine. Uh, Buckle Molimer's teammate is the one doing the work. Why? Because you had Mikael Landa, and with Mikael Landa, you had Superman Lopez. Um, up the road. They took off at the bottom of the climb. There's a long distance. They're getting maybe 40 seconds, 30, 40 seconds, up to maybe a minute. Uh, so there's a threat for the overall with those two going up the road. And with that, Roglic didn't have a teammate and he didn't do any work, which is interesting. So that comes back to Nibali and some of these others making comments afterwards because they go over the climb, they've got 30K to the finish. They're still out chasing those two because they don't care about any of the guys up front because no one's really a, an overall concern. And in the chase, Yates, um, Molima, Molima's teammate, uh, you got movie star guys, Yates, Chavez, they're all doing work, Nibali, they're all doing work, but you, um, Carthy, um, Tena Conger, I think is in there. They've got no help from Roglic and he's patting him on the back, keeps pushing him over, keeps moving to the back. Sometimes they're kind of splitting the group and he makes his way up. He looks like he's in charge and he's, he's doing well, but he makes no effort to come through and make any pulls. Uh, 
uh, it was interesting because uh, yeah, at some points he's got to make those decisions to when to hit and when not to. And with the time trials, it's probably going to play into his hands for the way his teammates are. The, they're kind of lacking at this point. Uh, we'll see if maybe they'll come to the four. You know, everyone's got their their uh, times that they're going to have to come in and maybe they'll have the legs. Maybe Subcuso have them. Maybe today they're like, look, he can handle it without him today uh, the way that it came over. But you usually want teammates with you when you've got these long stretches of flat after the uh, big climb to the finish. But today he didn't take any poles on the front. With that, Nibali in a typical uh, Shark of Messina fashion comes out and complains how everyone's doing their work. and But for Roglic not doing anything, and he's like, he's going to pay for it on Friday. So we'll talk about uh, Friday's race coming up here in a little bit because the climbing stuff happens over the weekend. I uh, got a few more you know, lumpy days and then some more climbing all through for the weekend, the final time trial for next week. Anyway, with that, like I said, Roglic isn't doing the work. The other teams are working, but the other teams are motivated because of uh, Landa and because of Lopez up the road. They're they're definitely a threat for overall. So you know, look, uh, you can complain, and that's what we do. We you know, our, our friend um, Jeff Linder just put out a video, the Golden State Race Series, uh, which you can find. Maybe we'll link to it here. It's a pretty good one talking about enemies and being in the break and your responsibilities and the other riders. They know that Jeff Linder, in this case, he had a teammate in the overall lead in the back of the pack. Jeff Linder gets in the break with very strong riders. He wasn't there for the first day. Um, this is the second day of the Omnium. There's no way he should be doing any work on the front. Easy, easy, easy call. Uh, and he's getting <laughs> he's getting yelled at by a good friend, Matt Chat. Who knows what was, you know, he can maybe uh, gracefully edit it how you want to to make it look. Maybe he had done something else, but... The reality is there's no way that someone like Jeff Linder in that case um, should be doing any work. And there's no way that those riders should be forcing him to do it. Uh, if they want to yell at him to try to goad him into it, that's perfectly fine. That's perhaps what Nibali is doing here, you know, trying to work the press uh, to get Roglic to do some work next time and wear him out when he is an unnecessary to do so. They weren't going to get rid of him on the flat. So he was like, I've got a big advantage. I'm still going to beat them in the time trial. I'm not concerned. And and the reality is they didn't ch- bring those guys back, but they kept them like 30 seconds. So it was really harmless. Um, well, we'll see if it's harmless at, for the days to come. Um, other surprises up there. So you've got in the overall now, uh, Jan Polonk, uh, Primus Roglic, four minutes back, but he's not going to worry about that because Valerio Conti is in, sec- is in third place at 451. He's not going to be an overall threat. Eros Capecci, 502. We don't care about him. We don't care until fifth place, Vincenzo Nibali. Once again, he's a minute behind uh, Roglic. So he's at 551. Uh, actually, Roglic is fourth. So he's almost two minutes back still. Yeah. Why is he caring? Uh, and he's not going to be goaded into this. You know, Lop- uh, Lopez is 808. So he is four minutes still behind. And even though he got a little advantage, he's four minutes behind Roglic. Um, Mikel Landa, 831. He's four and a half. Roglic did the perfect thing today. And I was really glad, you know, for a rider that's somewhat new to the scene of cycling. You know, I don't know if you knew this, but he used to be a ski jumper. Um, check that out. We'll maybe we'll post that video up there to uh, to, to give you an idea of, of what he was <laughs> like as a ski jumper. He's got a horrific crash. Anyway, he's been the patience today and not being um, forced and goaded into doing this kind of work was actually somewhat impressive. So good for him. Some other some other call outs today. 
Chavez. It was good to see him up there. Bob Jungles got popped off a little bit. In the Young Riders jersey is Hugh Carthy of EF Education First. He got, I, I did not see him there. He, got, he lost about a minute to the main guys coming in, but he was up on the climb with them until he said like about the last 500 meters over the top. There's a little surge. He got distance. He had no one going down the, down the hill with him. He lost more time. Finally got some riders with him. But he sounded like he was actually happy. And he's like, you know, my legs will come around. This is the first mountain stage. So he's got some work to do. So it will be interesting to see Hugh Carthy, uh, you know, even with that drop today, still in 10th place. So still looking pretty good. He's still above Simon Yates because of the, the actually the good time trial that he did on stage nine last week. Okay. What do we have for tomorrow? Tomorrow is Penarolo. So they get to stay in the same town to uh, Surasole Real. And it is... 196 kilometers and it's got a cat one coming in the first 54k uh another cat two coming in at 135k and then a sprint spot as they drop down and then they head up for the final climb here and that is uh you know 196k with uh, a category one finishing at Sarasol real so at the lagasaru uh climb and it looks like it goes anywhere from about 400 meters up to almost 2000 so it'll be uh 2247 is the the distance so that's a nice high climb that will be pretty detrimental and you know if there's going to be any issues tomorrow you're definitely going to see them out of the riders okay like i mentioned roglich has a team down they're not not the best team right now Sepkus american is on that team great climber gets a chance to go to do the the giro last year he did the vuelta uh the difference with the velta and him last year was uh they kreuzwick i think it's who they were pulling for at the velta last year and the first week week 10 12 days were you know as the the velta is it's climbing so he got a chance to come in right then super fit and show what he had. And then he struggled for the rest of the, but he made it through, but he struggled for the rest. So this is a little bit different where you've got to get through and be helpful because in the last two weeks, last week of the race, um, you've got to be, you know, up there for your team. And that's when it's going to be coming into show to see what he can do to help. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how great Nibali is in the last week of the tour. You know, he come from behind a few years ago to win it. I think he beat uh, Mikhail Landa, is who he overtook and won the the Giro. A uh, Kreuzwick, I'm sorry, that was the one where he went into the snowbank and he overtook him and 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 won that race. Um, you know, he's done that multiple times. He's, he looks to be good in the last week of the tour. Uh, and there's like, you know, Roglic is new, but you know, Roglic has won his, his stages that he's won in the tour have been in the last week. And he's looked good doing it. Last year, he finished, what, fourth or fifth overall? And while he may have been fading to the overall, he was still moving himself up and consolidating his his lead in the top five. So, you know, even the last day in the mountains, he kept attacking and attacking and, you know, not being able to get it over on. Um, he still stayed away. He went over the top. I'm trying to remember which climb that was. It was last day in the mountains. Comes down the the and gets away behind the motorbike. That was one of the problems that they had and ends up staying away for a little, you know, a few second wind. But once again, he was very aggressive and coming in. It looked, am I a fanboy of Roglic? Does it sound like it? I kind of am. So I do like, and part of it is I get a little tired and maybe it's the way the sky drones you into just this over, you know, constant 
pace of these big rulers kind of guys that are doing the climbing. It's boring to me. And I like to see, I love to see he and Koizuk last year in the tour attacking, being somewhat dynamic with that and continually doing that. And it, it brought some excitement. And so, if, you know, maybe he doesn't have to do that. But I think with him in the lead and you've got the time trial and his ability to time trial, you may very well see once again, these guys trying to take advantage of their abilities like Yates, Chavez, Nibali, uh, Michalanda, uh, who's been strong in the tour before as well, uh, and Lopez of attacking on the climbs and making him do something, which will be a lot of excitement. So uh, the fact of how it is, he's going to maybe ride a little bit more defensively, but yet it's going to really put the others on the f- offensive, which can be quite fun. Okay, so we have Friday, we have that race. That looks pretty good. 131 kilometers on stage 14 on Saturday from St. Vincent to Cormier. And that one, like, you know, look, uh, pretty short race for what we've we've had there. Um, but with that, you are going to see it's got a cat two, like, bam, right? Th- first 13K into the race, you got a cat two. And then a cat one at 51 kilometers, a cat five at 76K. Uh, and these are the summits. Um, and then at 106, you have the Col de San Carlo. And then finishing off at 131, it's not much of a, it's a cat three. So, you know, they go over the big one. Then they have another one at the Cormier, the Skyway Monte Bianco. And it's at only 1293 meters high, but they do crest almost to 2000 on the cat one. So that is coming up uh, Saturday. That will be pretty, pretty exciting as well. Um, Then we have a, a Sunday race that is 230 some kilometers and it's got a few little blips in it, a cat two, a cat three right before the finish, and two cat twos, a cat three before the finish. And I presume to see that's probably a day of maybe a breakaway. You never know. That could be you know, it's a little bit longer because then the next it could see the 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 GC guys going at it because the very next day you have a rest day. And with that, you never know if they're going to um, you know, trying to rest up and, and give it their shot and then they'll be able to to recover for that. Uh, then we start out resting on Monday, like I said. Tuesday we've got another similar day, and then boom, Wednesday we start hitting the mountains. And Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, ending with a time trial. Ending on a time trial, which means they're going to pack it all back in. You know, like I said, this first week has been pretty nastily boring. Is that, is that the way to say it? Um, but finishing with a time trial on the last day. Kind of cool. You know, they've done that before in the tour, obviously, the Greg LeMond in uh, 1989 when he uh, beat Laurent Fignon. Uh, they've done that in the Vuelta a few times. They had that. Uh, it's the day. I'm trying to remember. I think um, Roberto Haras won it and um, Levi Leipheimer uh, ended up vaulting his way into uh, the top three uh, with a time trial that day. Two good names for for past doping issues. That's a, that's a great comment there. Um, you know, speaking of the the doping, so there's been this. I think it was I'm trying to remember the name of it, but um, it's this situation. I think it's out of Switzerland, but it's been it's it's um, Adderlass doctor. So there's been this whole situation where all these riders have been caught. The the, the ski uh, skier that had they came into his room and he had you know he was blood doping at the time. So there's a the picture of him kind of looking up all four long and they're, they're snapping it as he's, as he's actually doing it at the time. Uh, but there's been a lot of riders kind of caught in this web, uh, not necessarily riders, but, uh, other sports. There's been a, actually some riders, some aqua blue riders, 
some other guys, I mean, we'll have to get all the names on those ones, but there's been more coming out. And a lot, there's been this connection with UAE. There's some writers this last, when at the tour of California, there was a writer that from Columbia that was basically suspended from UAE because he had some weird values. Uh, now UAE wins the tour of California. There's also, they're leading at the Giro right now. I don't know if you point anything out towards, I haven't heard much that this team is under suspicion, but you know, there's been more damaging links they just had about uh, uncovered between this uh, Erzin and Adelas doping doctor. The, it's the, the guy that's the doctor for um, uh, Bahrain Merida. So he's denied any contact between himself and he's saying, you know, this is false and unfounded, but it will be interesting to see how all this plays out. And, you know, geez, I hope, I hope we don't see more, uh, crap without that. Okay. Last little bit here. I, I briefly mentioned it. Kaepernick's, um, Kaepernick's wins the, uh, he's a great time trialist. He missed out on the TT, the last one, uh, stage nine to Roglic by 11 seconds. During that, he gets a flat and, or, or drops his chain, something along the lines of that. And he needs to get a bike off the spare bike. Cause within the last bit, you know, look, they're either going to make a determination. We're going to just give you a wheel. We're going to give you a new bike. It's usually just quicker to get the bike. And they just had a regular road bike. They throw him on that bad exchange. The mechanic doesn't even push him. They have some, some rando from the side of the road pushing him. And then he loses the, the, the stage win by 11 seconds, probably due to the team. So with that, Bradley Wiggins has a podcast on Eurosport. He's making comments about how this would never happen with team sky. Campernitz is much too good of a writer and that he should, uh, you know, the swap was bad and, he should sign with a different team because of that, that, you know, they'll offer him a bunch of money. He'll stay there. But the reality is if he goes with the team that knows what the heck they're doing, because this team is riding like they're in still in uh, 1974 was the quote. And Kempernitz, uh takes it all in stride. He's, he actually says that like Wiggins has been a big, a uh, big hero of mine. Um, you know, we, but we won that. Uh, I couldn't have won the hour record if we were so our anarch and archaic and blah, blah, blah. But then he did. in one thing he said, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he saw how we broke the hour record as a team, said Kampernitz. We broke his effing hour record, didn't we? It's great. It's great having these guys fire back and forth, especially with someone who's retired. That's uh, <laughs> nothing greater than getting a fight against someone who has a podcast. Speaking of which, if you want to take shots at us, please do so. We're all over the internet. Uh, Between Two Wheels podcast. If you want to make some comments, you want to take some pot shots at us, please do so. Um, with that, um, we're just... Short little episode today, mostly about the Giro. But coming up, we're going to have Nevada City Classic, uh, the Masters District uh, Championships, State District. I mean, you get to wear a cool jersey if you win. Uh, they're also on the P12 race out there. That's Saturday uh, coming up on the 25th. Um, with the, There's been some interesting things online, too. And maybe we'll get into this. And this is kind of the stuff you can yell at us about is um, equal pay for, for men's and women's races. Uh, I, there's all kinds of opinions out there on this. You know, the, it seems like to me the, the pay scale should be, you know, this is <laughs> without, without getting into too much of it. There's a law going in that, that the California is looking to, to, uh, pass about for, if you're using the public roads and we get into that, whether you think roads should be public or private. No. Okay. Um, if they're using the public roads, uh, that they there's a bill that says that the men and the women have to have the same length race. Think about it. If this law comes into account, my prediction is you're going to lose men's bike racing or good racing in general. It doesn't have to be men's. Think of Colorado. 
They have the Colorado Classic. It's women only this year. That race would be illegal. That would be an illegal to, to hold a race that you want to because you're not offering it for both sexes. I think that's ridiculous to, to force that. What's better is to work on these both of these sports so you get interest in them in their own respect. I've said this from day one. We've had this since the first few bits of the podcast. Women's uh, cycling, I personally enjoy it. I was disappointed not to be able to see more of the Tour of California. I've enjoyed interviewing those women. I enjoy talking to them. I love watching the racing. It's more Sometimes it's more dynamic and exciting. Uh, but you're not going to force them to do the same distances as you are the men. I, th- I think that reduces that kind of racing. You don't want that. And maybe you know they can handle some long stages. That's perfectly fine. But a lot of it comes down to how do you attract them for uh, sponsorship, right? And, and the sponsorship is really where you're getting it. We talked about this with men's cycling and how it's kind of dying out. But are you, are you going to force uh, an ep- economic situation on the men who, who are – kind of dying out as well to then drag that the women along. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, but I've always said I would like to see the women's um, try to do their own. It's it, different people watch the, the sports, uh, the, the tour, uh, the, the tour de France, when they have the women come in and they have their, they're doing their race alongside. I'm always like, Hey, let's just have their own event. I would much rather watch the, the, the women's Giro, which I did last year as much as possible. Uh, watch that as its own separate event than back and forth between the men and the women. Um, you don't see that with the Masters tournament as golf, as an example. They don't have a women's sideshow uh, or for the you know the women's uh, tennis. They don't have a men's. I mean, tennis may be a different situation. My point is have these as their own standalone sports and you're going to get your own crowds. You're going to get your own funding. You're going to get your own sponsorship and your own excitement rather than trying to glom onto each other. WNBA is not um, the product, you know, it's, it's, it's only being survived due to the fact that it's sticking on there. And if they had maybe had those separate, uh, maybe it would be a, a better, better solution in the long run. And that's the goal, right? I have daughters, two of them. Um, if they want to do whatever they want to do, I want it to survive and I want people to come out and watch them. And I want them to be, have that vitality of the sport itself due to them rather than it's a sideshow for something else. Uh, that just doesn't feel good in general. Anyway, let's have your opinions on that. One other thing uh, we've talked about, uh, there was a great interview on Velo News podcast with uh, Lindsay. I'm trying to remember her last name, but I think she's the owner and a cyclist with the Hoggins Berman women's team. And she gave some really good insights for all of this. And it's a little bit different because she's an owner, but she's also a racer and she's also a she. So I think you can say that now still, right? Um, so it was it was interesting to see her perspective and to uh, how she wants to actually grow her sport, which I'm all in favor for. How did this come about? Some people were complaining about the Nevada City Classic and about equal pay on there. Hey, look, if we as amateur cyclists, um, and I'm talking like the low levels here, are complaining about our prize list, you've got way too much uh, to deal with uh, problems. Then I mean that's ridiculous. Uh, I'm doing the Masters districts. I don't even know if there is a prize list. I don't care. Uh, maybe I should, maybe, you know, someone that's 24 years old as a cat two female, maybe that's their, their thing, but then maybe go do some, there are bigger races out there. You know, there's the, the USA crit series or they're offering better prizes, but you're not going to get them when there's, you know, we, as between two wheels podcast last year, we offered a hundred dollars 
to the last place finisher in the women's field, uh, the P12 field, and something else. We put up our own money for this, but we said you had to have, I remember how many uh, entries. The only one that qualified was the P12 field. So we're trying to get riders out there. And, you know, the sponsors, uh, the event organizers, they're, they're doing what they can. Uh, some of them are not good. Some of them are good. Some of them are just uh, maybe Nevada City. From what I understand, it's not really cyclists. It's the city that's doing it. So they don't really know the ins and outs. And um, how do you really know the ins and, <laughs> ins and outs of amateur California cycling? I don't know. So anyway, um, look, we'd love all your feedback on this. And maybe if there is uh, someone that would like to come in and talk about this, has some little bit of knowledge of the, the economics of cycling and how all this plays into it, be glad to, to take your opinion and have a, a cordial conversation about it. Because honestly, uh, my goal is not so much uh, misogyny. It's not uh, trying to run women down. It's actually to have their sport survive and it's to have the whole cycling sport survive, whether it's men or women, juniors, masters, Eh, who cares about masters so much pro i love the sport of cycling it's dynamic it's exciting in all levels and the only way to do that is to continue it up and you know maybe maybe the reality is we stop doing these crits stop doing these road races we just all do gravel and fondos so uh let's hear your opinion on that okay um modesto happened uh i'm not going to talk about it right now we'll talk about it maybe at a different point so um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, check us out once again on all the platforms. We're on YouTube as well, uh, Between Two Wheels podcast on Facebook, and give us a review. Um, make you know if you want to talk about what we've just discussed here today, make some comments there as well. And thanks for the ride.